educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, how's Monday for you? It's uh, uh, another day in the greatest city in America. We're delighted that you tuned in. It is 5.08 on Monday, February 5. Coming up in just a second, it's Flatwater Free Press Day, and we'll be joined by Editor Matthew Hansen and investigative reporter Natalia Amadari uh, on the latest with the Seward County law enforcement seizing millions of bucks from passing motorists and... Uh, so anyway, we'll check in with our friends at Flatwater on that topic in just a quick moment. Uh, yeah, building up instead of tearing down truth over tribalism, principles over partisanship. Five days a week right here. Uh, and um, yeah, before we go any further, say hello to Mr. Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire. Johnny. Dan, I tell you what, um, so I, I can't. It's not fair that I make the comparison to last Monday because you know I was on vacation still. <laughs> That's right. But for today being a Monday and it being kind of my always my dreary day of the week, I feel great right now. <laughs> nice. Well, I, my my Monday was interesting. My Sunday was even more interesting, but I'm not getting into any of that. But uh, but my, the highlight of my weekend was uh, the Grammys last night. Oh my goodness! And just to uh, put a um, Continued uh, comment on the Taylor Swift uh, conspiracy. Apparently, uh, the Grammys are in on this deal too. I was going to say, do you think? Do you think Celine Dion's a I San think, Francisco fan? I think. I think it's all connected. You know, we're going to have to check with our conspiracy theorists to see how that all is connected. But anyway, in the serious note, congratulations on becoming the only four-time uh, winner in that category from uh, Taylor uh, Swift. And, and oh man, I just uh, the Grammys are one of my uh, guilty pleasures. I watched it from start to finish, and oh my goodness, Billie Eilish, what an incredible song! The uh, uh, the Barbies, one of the Barbie movie songs and uh, surprise uh, Tracy Chapman uh, appearance and um, and Joni Mitchell. Oh my goodness! If that didn't rip your heart out. Uh, so anyway, I enjoyed watching the Grammys last night. So well, let's dive into this. Our friends at Flatwater Free Press, Matthew Hansen, editor. Uh, welcome aboard, Matthew. Hey Dan. Did you uh, are you a Grammys fan? I know you like music. Did you get to see any of that last night? I sadly did not watch the Grammys, although I did watch the uh Chapman uh Luke Combs uh collab. I watched the video after yeah. the fact. Yeah. And it was incredible. Oh my video. goodness. And it, and the look on her face when uh, cuz nobody knew that she was even performing. So, yeah, that was that was a treat. Well, if you didn't get a chance to see the Joni Mitchell uh, tune um, and the Billie Eilish. Anyway, I recommend those. So um, it was crazy that Joni Mitchell. That was the, her first time on yes. the Grammys. I saw. Yeah, eighty. <laughs> yeah, fifty years later. Let's get Joni Mitchell. Somebody say, hey, what's Joni Mitchell doing these days? Let's get her on. So yeah, no, it was wow. You know, very emotional. Very very cool. Uh, well, Matthew, I wanted uh, before we bring uh, Natalia on here. Uh, uh, to chat about uh, her latest story in the in the Seward case, I wanted to chat a little bit with you. Uh, you guys are going to court on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normally that's not a, a super exciting thing to hear, but it's, <laughs> but in our case, we are excited. Um, yeah, it's you know sort of the the uh, hopefully near the end of a years long fight to to um, <laughs> rest some public records 
<laughs> away from the uh, from the state of uh, Nebraska, and the Supreme Court hears our case on Thursday. Yeah, well, that'll be and and for our listeners who are interested in that, do you happen to know? Because I know uh, Matt Wynn's uh, column on this uh, talked about this. There, there's a way for people to view it, right? Yeah, yeah, you can actually watch the live stream. It's on, if you go to our website, flatwaterfreepress.org, and find uh, Matt's column, um, which is which is on the homepage, it actually gives uh, people instructions about uh, how to how to watch it live. I might just meander over there. I haven't been in that courtroom for a few years and uh, used to work down the hall, so, yeah, I might just wander over there. That might be fun. I'll see you, see you there, Dan. Yeah. Absolutely. Do we do we know it's in the morning, right? It's in the morning session. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, I think fifth okay. on the uh, on their docket Thursday. Well, just for our listeners, kind of fill in. Uh, you know, Yin Shi Shu wrote about uh, nitrates uh, seeping into our drinking water and requested emails from the state uh, relating to that and uh, with the environmental agency that's responsible for the, <clears throat> for that and the state. Uh, said the records would cost around $2,000. You started negotiating. The price went up. You negotiated some more, and the price kept going up. Uh, and before you know it, they wanted to charge uh, charge you guys $44,000 for these things. Um, so anyway, uh, you guys won uh, or lost in lowercase. Uh, lower no, no, won. Won. That's right. Won at Lancaster. That's right. You won, and then the state yeah. Uh, appealed. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so we've now been fighting this thing for, I mean, really, uh, more than a year. Uh, this is actually, we don't know the number, but it's cost quite a bit of taxpayer money yeah. uh, th- because the state has chosen to, to appeal. Um, and, yeah, now we find out from, we'll eventually find out from the rest of the Supreme Court, not Thursday, but we'll find out eventually whether or not they agree with the lower court that essentially what the state did was to deny public access to um, what are clearly, in my view, uh, public uh, public records. Yeah. Well, this and this sets this will set a precedent because uh, it's uh, you're not the only one that has fought these types of uh, issues uh, with the state. So, um, yeah, good on you. That'll be interesting. Um, yeah, and I mean it, it's just a it's a it's an important one uh, because you know uh, essentially, I mean, real talk. It, it's the sort of thing that that chills other media organizations. Um, you know, from from asking for uh, from fighting for public records, mm-hmm. right? If 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 the state can charge any amount it wants, essentially to uh, uh, provide those p- public records, guess what? It gets really really hard to get public records from the state. So I certainly hope we win for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> we'll keep track of that, Matthew, and uh, keep us updated on how that rolls out. But uh, yeah. Well, hey, thanks, Matthew. Uh, uh, Natalia, are you with us? And Matthew, feel free to stick around uh, if you wish, but I understand if you got to run. But uh, Natalia Amadari, uh, the latest on what's going on in Seward County. Uh, are you with us, Natalia? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Hey, this is, I get you two weeks in a row. How about that? I know. It's great to be on again. Absolutely, Natalia. I appreciate your good work. Well, fascinating story uh, because you guys have been covering this story for, uh, gosh, seems like over a year now, maybe. And um, uh, But just, uh, just for our listeners, uh, to remind our listeners, uh, back in June, investigative uh, uh, report found that in the past decade, one of every three state civil forfeiture cases in Nebraska happened to be in Seward County. And uh, 
And so uh, there was a lot of questions about that. You guys did some great reporting. And uh, so anyway, give our give our listeners an update on what's uh, what's the latest, if you would. Sure. The update is that in the Nebraska legislature, Senator Tom Brewer of the Sand Hills has sponsored legislation that would impact the way forfeiture happens in Nebraska state courts. So it would essentially get rid of civil asset forfeiture where it happens in a civil court. You don't have to be convicted of a crime and it would instead make the forfeiture process go through a criminal asset forfeiture. So that means it would be happening in criminal court. You have the right to legal counsel. You have to be um, convicted of a crime before that motion can happen to forfeit the money. So it would, like I said, essentially be getting rid of civil asset forfeiture in Nebraska state courts. It would still exist in federal court, but that's something that the state legislature doesn't really have any control over. Right, right. Well, and in your reporting, uh, I know you talked to um, uh, Dr. Laura Ebke, who, by the way, uh, a little tease, uh, Laura is going to be with us in the second half of the show uh, to continue this conversation. But uh, anyway, uh, Natalia, if you can hang on, we need to take this quick little break and come back and continue this conversation. Uh, Folks, hang on, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition, uh, and welcome back to Natalia Amadari uh, with Flatwater Investigative Reporter with Flatwater Free Press. And uh, you can uh, read Natalia's latest uh, story about uh, civil forfeiture and uh, in the... Uh, situation in Seward County and, and elsewhere in Nebraska that uh, has been under question about uh, seizing um, uh, money from passing motorists uh, in civil forfeitures. Uh, and just to remind our listeners, flatwaterfreepress.org, Nebraska's very first uh, nonprofit newsroom, no paywall, jump on there and read Natalia's uh, good work. And so Natalia, um, you know, uh, th- this is a fascinating story, and uh, the whole, uh, you know, this bill by, by Senator Tom Brewer uh, would do what uh, some state senators thought that they had accomplished some years back in, uh, in, in, in doing away with uh, uh, the civil uh, forfeitures, right? Right, right, yeah. This is basically um, a similar version of... What legislators, what legislators thought that they were passing back in 2016. So kind of doing what the original intent of that 2016 bill was before different amendments were added onto it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, in this situation in Seward County, which you've reported on, um, you know, just back in July, three drivers had had been stopped in Seward County. Uh, they allege that... Uh, that their cash that they turned over from the civil forfeiture uh, actually disappeared uh, during traffic stops. And the Seward County Sheriff, uh, Mike Vance, said at the time uh, in, in your reporting, uh, Natalia, that uh, missing the, that missing money was impossible, uh, citing body cams and dash cams. Any, anything has, has anything come of that, uh, of that situation? Um, I, to my knowledge, there is an investigation into those claims happening 
um, basically the Seward County Sheriff's Office getting an outside investigator to look into those okay. things. I don't know the status of that. Um, as far as records that we were trying to get, there really wasn't um, a good path forward to try and fight for sure. those. statute is pretty clear about um, the leeway that departments have in giving body cam footage out. The one thing that is sort of related is part of the bill language right now in the bill that Senator Brewer is sponsoring. It does include a section that says, um, you know, if you're pulled over and things are seized from your vehicle, you do have to be given some sort of itemized receipt by okay. the officers involved. So that sounds like some sort of precaution to avoid these types of things happening in the future. Um, but, yeah, that's really the extent of my knowledge of that at the time. Okay, okay. Well, and we'll get into uh, the legislation and, and, and all that with uh, Dr. Ebke coming up in the second half of the show here. But... Uh, you know, from reading your story, this isn't necessarily going to be a slam dunk. They're yeah, ma- it seems like, um, I know that I spoke to a deputy in Lancaster County, and he had some concerns about, you know, whether or not the bill reflects kind of the nuance of how forfeitures happen in practice. Um there were some little nitpicky things of, oh, it doesn't mention, it mentions the Department of Justice, but not Department of Treasury, and that could cause some hiccups. Um, but then also, you know, it could just get pushback in general from law enforcement agencies once it comes before the committee. I don't know, it doesn't have a date yet for a committee hearing, but it would be interesting to see, you know, who turns up to discuss it. It will be. And I had a text exchange actually yesterday with uh, with Senator Brewer and invited him on and he he politely uh, uh, declined he's still uh, he, uh, sounds like there's some negotiation still going on let's put it that way that's mm-hmm. that's that's what I took away from uh, the brief chat I had with Senator Brewer but uh, uh, so yeah we'll anticipate uh, that bill uh, when it comes up for a hearing and uh, but yeah this is uh, again because of your good uh, journalism investigative reporting uh, shined a light on this situation in Seward County and um, yeah and the result has been uh, uh, hopefully a, a fix that as as you noted in your story that uh, state senators thought they had taken care of some years ago um, uh, to get rid of civil affis- asset forfeiture in Nebraska. Um, and the end, end result, though, still allows law enforcement to seize assets in civil court if they can connect the cash to drugs, uh, even if there were no drugs in the vehicle. And, uh, you know, you interviewed you know, some people around the country with... Uh, uh, with uh, that have dealt with these uh, issues and reformed these issues, and um, apparently this bill is very well written from their perspective. Right, right, and I think like one of the things to really make sure people understand is you know forfeiture can still happen; it would just have to happen in criminal court with that higher uh, standard of proof that the state would have to hit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, there's obviously reasons, because um, we we all know, I think most it's fairly common knowledge, that I-80 is quite the, you know, runway for illegal activity with, with moving drugs and, and you know, 
other kind of contraband through the through the state and so yes i mean we we need to have those tools for law enforcement to uh, to catch the bad guys and and uh, but uh Seward County brought in according to your reporting from just uh, eight, 2018 to 2022 uh, 7.1 million dollars in criminal and civil forfeitures and um as compared to even Lancaster County brought in 9.2 million dollars and statewide Nebraska law enforcement agencies had uh, almost 32 million dollars so uh there's obviously <clears throat> a lot of cash that's coming through the state and 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 yeah uh, we want to make sure that um if there's bad activity illegal activity uh, associated with those funds that we want to be able to to clamp down on that and do something but um uh, not so much the case in some of these cases. Anyway, um, I appreciate, uh, Natalia, your good work. What uh, what else is cooking uh, in the newsroom? Um, I'm looking into some small-town government happenings. We'll kind of see what that turns into. Okay, it's um, a nice tease. Yeah, yeah, yeah just a, a little snippet of that. Um, and then one of the things I'm just really interested in is, you know, how have, how have demographics changed in Nebraska over the past one to two decades? What does that mean for small towns? How, how is immigration shaping the state? That's just something that I'm interested in and wanting to write more about this year. So I'm kind of at the starting point of that. Fascinating. Well, keep us informed. I, I, uh, I appreciate that very much. We've had some guests on recently, uh, <clears throat> talking about helping uh, uh, immigrate immigrants and uh, uh, asylum seekers and others who come to our state and uh, help from a business standpoint find jobs and, and in fact tomorrow I have uh, <clears throat> Lincoln Literacy coming on to talk about some of the good work that they do helping uh, some of that population uh, with language and finding jobs and stuff. So anyway, yep, we'd love to hear more about that, Natalia. Yeah, Dan, I got to ask, are you a Swifty? I saw Taylor Swift <laughs> yeah. on your account yesterday. <laughs> well, first of all, that's a nice segue into reminding our listeners to follow us on the on the X and, and Facebook. Uh, I, you know, I am one of those people that have become a Swifty, or at least a fan, uh, because of uh, the NFL. So, anyway, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Very cool. Cool to hear. Yeah. She's also my favorite member of the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> there you go, Johnny. There you Mine go. Too. Yeah. Well, Natalia, uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for your good work, and we'll catch up with you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care. Folks, that's the first half of the show. Uh, we'll be back with Dr. Laura Ebke here in just a few minutes after the news on 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, I know you probably got other things going on on the Monday afternoon, but anyway, glad you're here. And uh, my thanks to uh, Flatwater Free Press editor, Mr. Matthew Hansen, and investigative reporter, uh, Natalia Amadari. Remember, you can read their good work, sign up for Matthew's entertaining uh, weekly newsletter uh, at flatwaterfreepress.org. Uh, let me tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, Lincoln Literacy. Uh, we'll talk with uh, Executive Director Brian Seck and a volunteer tutor about what it's like to teach the English language uh, to new learners uh, and the importance of building connections uh, between cultures here in, uh, here in the capital city. So tune in for that uh, on tomorrow's show. And just to remind you, as Natalia uh, uh, ventured into uh, uh, the, uh, the Twitter page, excuse me, X and uh, Facebook. Uh, so anyway, follow us on the socials, and uh, you too can find out my latest uh, infatuation with, uh, uh, with Travis Kelsey and and uh, Taylor Swift and uh, yeah so anyway follow along we'd love to carry on the conversation after hours uh, and if you miss anything you can always find us on your favorite podcast platform any darn time you like well it is my delight to welcome back to the Dan Parsons show Dr. Laura Ebke who's a senior fellow at the Platt Institute, a public policy think tank uh, here in Nebraska. And, of course, uh, I think most of you recall uh, uh, Laura Ebkeefe, former Nebraska state senator from Crete. Laura, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me tonight. Absolutely, Laura. always appreciate your your critical thinking on some of these issues. And, um, uh, yeah, you were quoted in Natalia's story about uh, this just – really kind of bizarre situation in Seward County uh, where law enforcement uh, there was seizing millions of dollars from motorists uh, uh, through criminal forfeiture, uh, which is surprisingly a legal, uh, well, maybe not surprisingly, it it, it is meant as a tool for law enforcement uh, to combat uh, illegal drug trafficking and and other illicit uh, activity. Uh, But uh, it's, it's being abused and uh, and so anyway i wanted to get your perspective on this and uh, i know you've been following this as a, a fellow with the, the platt institute so so laura help us walk through this because it, it is a bit of a confusing story uh, but basically there's uh, these motorists passing through uh, seward county on i-80 uh, and being stopped and questioned about uh, cash that they have on on hand and and basically it becomes a a negotiation on the on the side of the road with law enforcement so anyway uh, help us understand this a little bit better laura if you could sure i can try um first we need to make sure that we distinguish between civil asset forfeiture and criminal asset forfeiture and um, criminal asset forfeiture um to put it simply is that um 
somebody has been convicted of a crime, they've proven, you know, beyond um, reasonable doubt that somebody is guilty of a crime, and then the state seizes the property that, you know, sort of the fruits of the crime. Um, and, and so that could be real estate, that could be cash, that could be, you know, all of the above, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, civil asset forfeiture is when there's no conviction. Okay. Okay. And, and this is th- th- this is where we get into trouble in in Nebraska and other places around the country is that, um, you know, that we make great assumptions. You know, somebody's driving down the interstate and they're stopped because you know for some other legitimate reason. Um, hopefully, <laughs> you yes. know, uh, a stoplight that they're uh, they they failed them. You know, use their turn signals or their speeding or their lights are out or whatever. They're stopped for that reason. And um, in the course of the, you know, the stop, um, police officers, law enforcement officers find that they have a significant amount of cash usually. Okay. And they make an assumption, you know, that. Um, that, that that cash, you know, nobody has a reason to carry around ten thousand dollars worth of cash, or <laughs> some, whatever, right? Some ill-gotten booty somehow. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so they make that assumption and they assume that it's it's drug related, okay? But they don't have any drugs in hand on hand. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any drugs in the car, and so they just say, "Well, this is drug related, and um, you know, we'll let you go on your way." If you give us the cash, yeah. you know, basically, and um, you know, and, and so you know, it violates kind of the basic principles of you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um, it, it's a property rights question, um, and um, you know, it it, it it makes assumptions about people that you know, it's not illegal to carry cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I can drive. I can drive down the road with ten thousand dollars worth of cash if I want. Yeah. It's not illegal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's legal, legal tender. Yes. Right? Yes. And and so 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 if there is, um, if there is reason to believe that a law has been broken, okay, that a, that a crime has been committed, um, then we believed in 2016 when we passed the initial bill. <laughs> And just to remind our listeners, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, Senator, but uh, uh, but our just to remind our listeners, uh, you were in office then, right? Right, right. And yeah, and you were the co-sponsors, yeah. Yeah, chair of the Judiciary Committee, so you you know this issue well. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So so um, so we we passed when we passed the bill, we thought that we were this is what we were doing that we were getting rid of civil asset forfeiture, not criminal asset forfeiture. Um, and that um, that would demand that that local law enforcement would actually have to make an arrest and be able to prove guilt um, before before property was taken. However, there you know um, it was it was at the end of the legislative session, and an amendment got added. It looks like that's what happened on mm-hmm. the last few days, and um, it, there, there was a loophole found in the middle. Yeah, the. the the, the real problem is that, you know, do we want law enforcement officers making these negotiations on the side of the road? Well, and, um, and, and that's that's what the bill changes. Yeah. And 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 again, just to, to kind of recap what we talked about in the first <clears throat> half of the show, uh, 
Gordon Senator uh, from the Sand Hills, uh, Tom Brewer, uh, has introduced legislation to, to clean this up, uh, similar to what you thought you'd done back uh, back uh, a few years back when you were in the legislature. And uh, so we're waiting for <clears throat> a hearing date. And uh, but there's already some folks pushing back on this again uh, in law enforcement. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Lancaster County uh, Sheriff's Department uh, told. Uh, Natalia and her story that the the best way to hurt these organizations is to take their money. Uh, it slows them down, and and they're just you know they're not just getting their drugs. And uh, but uh, defense attorneys and and other folks, and including uh, uh, your organization, uh, pl- uh, fl- or excuse me, uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 said Platt Institute. Yeah. <laughs> I beg your pardon, Flatwater Platt. Yeah. Uh, it is Monday yeah. for me. Anyway, the Platt Institute, a, a well-known, fairly conservative uh, think tank here in Nebraska, are saying, "Wait a minute, there there needs to be some checks and balances so uh, that we aren't abusing uh, innocent people." Uh, when they are carrying large amounts of cash, right? And 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 here's and here's what the bill would you know the, the key element of the bill it, it just um, is is found in it's in section eight of the bill, but but what it would do is it gets rid of the on the spot waivers, hmm. um, and it would require police to bring you know the the carrier of the cash into the prosecutor. And have the pro- the prosecutors can then issue then then can then agree to a waiver if that's necessary. Okay. If they really if they really think so, I mean it, it isn't it isn't as awful as you think. But but I think here's another piece of it that, that law enforcement ought to be really concerned about. You know, as long as you have a situation where the law enforcement on the side of the road is making this um, you know making this deal. You know, negotiating yeah. the deal through a signature and taking the money, it 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 kind of disrupts the nature of law enforcement, public service. You know, serving and protecting and that sort of thing, and almost makes them the prey. You know, the prey. Sure. And um, you know, to take it into town, you know, take it into Seward and have the, have the uh, have the prosecutor make the decision. Um, and you know, kind of lean on the person who they think is has got ill-gotten gains. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that makes more sense. It, it it shifts it shifts the responsibility to um to, to the law enforcement um, official that ought to have it. You know, the county attorney. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, Joe Janetti, who I know you know, uh, I know Joe, mm-hmm. a former Bellevue narcotic, narcotics officer, is quoted in the story as well. And and Joe said, "Hey, if you got enough money to grab that, if you've got enough to grab that money, you should have enough to convict someone of a criminal charge." And so, um, yeah, there needs to be uh, some balance there. So, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a solid bill. Um, hopefully, um, it will get a hearing soon. Um, so that it has some chance of getting attached. You know, I think that yeah. we're, we're a third of the way through the session now. Yeah, yeah, as, we're running. As time goes on, you know, it's, it, it, the chances of it moving get less and less. Yeah. I do think that it's this is a good conversation you to have. You bet. Well, Laura, if you can hang on, let's take this uh, final little break and come back and finish up. Uh, come on back, folks. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. 
Hey, welcome back. We're delighted you stuck around for the last segment of the show here on a Monday. Uh, and let me tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show, Lincoln Literacy. We've had Lincoln Literacy on, I think, uh, just one other time here in the studio. So we'll visit with them, uh, talking with uh, their executive director, Brian Seck. Uh, and Brian's bringing along a, a volunteer tutor uh, about what it's like to teach uh, the English language uh, to new learners here in the capital city and the importance of building those connections uh, between cultures. So excited to, uh, to talk with Brian from uh, Lincoln Literacy and one of their volunteers tomorrow. And um, yeah, hey, jam-packed rest of the week too. Uh, uh, Todd Ogden will be here from Downtown Lincoln Association on Thursday. Uh, and then if you're following along uh, with the latest on uh, dating over 50, we're doing another episode uh, on Friday. Uh, Dr. Trey will be back. Uh, Chef Kevin will be here. And, uh, and Paige Dempsey, uh, dating coach uh, from Omaha, uh, to get the female perspective on dating over 50. So if you know people who are single, if you, uh, uh, if you have, uh, have thoughts on that. So anyway, uh, we, it'll be a jam-packed Friday, I'll guarantee you that so plan ahead for that appreciate it very much well we're back with dr laura ebke uh who's a senior fellow at the platt institute a public policy think back think tank uh here in the state and of course laura is a former state senator from uh from create so laura again thank you for your time i know you're a busy person and so appreciate it very much and we're we're going to have to get you booked on a Friday sometime. Not for dating over fifty. You are also uh, not single, and I'm not going to talk about your age. I'm smarter than that because uh, I am in public relations. But uh, anyway, uh, we we have shared uh, some craft beer in the past. You were a guest on my podcast in years back, so we need to get you on the, uh, in here on a Friday for the Friday afternoon club sometime. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to hear in the last few minutes, Laura, of, of some of the other work that you do at the Platt Institute, and, and maybe our listeners uh, aren't that familiar with the Platt Institute. So uh, fill us in on what your role is and what the Platt Institute uh, does. And I know it's a busy time because of the legislative session. It is a busy time. Um, and, and um, you know, obviously the we have we have several different sort of in-house programs. We have a lot of work. We do a lot of work on taxes. Um, I stay out of that as much as possible. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but, but we do do work on taxes um, and, and trying to reduce the tax burden of all types um, and, and have good tax policy. Um, you know, my focus is on regulatory reform of different types. Um, I started at Platt um, doing a lot of occupational licensing stuff. Um, post-legislature, um, in part because kind of my hallmark, hallmark uh, piece of legislation yeah. was uh, an occupational licensing bill, and so they asked me to come on and, and work to advance that cause. We're, um, we're excited for a lot of the things that have, that have been going on in, in that arena, and it's amazing. You know, we have bills, but, you know, Senator Blood up, in, um, up from Bellevue has bills, and everybody has. There's a lot of occupational licensing bills this year, so um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun to see that, that that's a new area of interest for a lot of people, trying to make it easier for people to work in our workforce. Yeah, um, yeah, because obviously we need that, yeah. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, regulatory reform, that's something that uh, I think that, you know, that that I spend a lot of time learning about. And I think that uh, we are primed for some new regulatory 
reform actions to, to make it uh, to make government more friendly and more accountable um, at, at all levels. So, well, as a small I'm business owner. As a small business owner, I appreciate that. I'm old enough to remember, Laura, when uh, one of the political parties used to do a lot of uh, talking about and, and doing stuff on on those types of uh, issues for small businesses. So anyway, I'm, I'm being a little you, facetious. You <laughs> so anyway, I, I appreciate that because, uh, yeah, again, as a small business owner, there are oftentimes uh, regulations through state, county, federal government that are uh, a little burdensome. Yeah, and I think that a lot of times, I don't think anybody intends for regulations to become burdensome. Right. But I think what happens is that they start to pile up on each other, and nobody goes in and actually cleans the old stuff out. Mm-hmm. And so you you end up with this, you know, this, this, this patchwork and maze of of, um, of of regulations that it's impossible for people to dig out of, and so I think you know some some reform and some you know serious looks at what we're doing and how we're how we're regulating um, folks who are trying to make go of it uh, is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Laura, it's always a joy to have you uh, on the show. And like I said, next time, uh, you're welcome to come into the studio anytime. But I know uh, you're busy and, and down in Crete, and it's a bit of a drive. But uh, you know you're always welcome, my friend. Well, ne- next time I'll be in. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> well, we, I do appreciate uh, your viewpoint, uh, Laura, and and uh, and yeah, keep uh, keep us posted on what uh, the Platt Institute's up to and what you're up to. Certainly will. Thanks okay, for having me. you bet, Laura. Take care. Dr. Laura Ebke, a former state senator, now senior fellow at the Platt Institute. Uh, I, I don't like the labels, uh, but uh, uh, the Platt Institute is is known to be a little bit more conservative in some of their issues. And and um, so anyway, I always appreciate uh, hearing from Dr. Ebke. And Dr. Dr. Ebke got her uh, uh, title as a doctor because she has a uh, a doctorate in political science. So anyway, she's a good person to have on your team. Let me put it that way. So anyway, appreciate Laura's helping us uh, understand this issue. Well, uh, that's about it for us. I'll just remind you, if you haven't signed up uh, and read uh, all the great work uh, that uh, Flatwater Free Press does on issues like this that are important to a lot of different people in our community, I just encourage you to uh, check out their work. There's no paywall. Uh, they're a nonprofit newsroom. Uh, they'll take your donation, uh, but uh, you don't you don't have to pay to read their news. And uh, so flatwaterfreepress.org, and we love having uh, Matthew Hansen, the editor, <clears throat> on every Monday, and uh, and one of his uh, reporters. And uh, so, so thanks, to Natalia Amadari, for her good work on this story and and for joining us here today. And uh, so anyway, uh, please uh, have a wonderful evening. I know it's uh, continues to be just a beautiful uh, fake spring weather here in the capital city. And boy, looking at the forecast uh, uh, a few days out, it looks like it just continues. We're going to hit 60 again this week. And uh, it's uh, that's why we live in Nebraska in February, right? So. Anyway, uh, but um, and come back tomorrow for Lincoln Literacy. We'll uh, uh, we'll chat with those folks uh, tomorrow. So anyway, uh, have a great evening uh, and go do good things. We'll see you back here tomorrow.